see you enemy. I see you enemy, enemy, enemy. You are my enemy. And I swear total resistance to you with everything I've got. That's, that's, uh, that's men and women talking right there. I don't even have any words for this. Uh, what a ridiculous show we have. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. I feel like that, tr- that, that explosion, the trade explosion was made just for us. Like, oh, I know. Like it was just destined for for our show to be a, a in our intro. We saw some I'm, other things today. Oh, go ahead. I'm really glad no one lost lost their life in like that actual accident. Oh, yeah, yeah, because we can make jokes about it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a couple of pets died, but we're good to go. Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, man. Um, you know, just jump the shark. <laughs> the uh, I gotta tell you, like crashes and stuff that this week was really really crazy for me so my 17 year old son uh on sunday we go to mass and then we get home from mass me and my wife is sitting we uh we went food shopping together had like a nice romantic day food shopping it was like my wife was like smitten by me food shopping with her wanted to get all like the stuff we needed for lent and um because i'm giving up a whole bunch of stuff and then uh we get home, we're unpacking the groceries, and my son calls in a panic. And he sounds horrified on the phone. And he's like, I, I got in a bad accident. You guys got to go. It was only like five minutes down the road from my house. We race down there. My son's car was totaled. Like, totaled. You got pictures of it, right? Yeah. So he had a friend in a car with him. Uh, it was a head-on collision, basically. Uh <clears throat> Maybe next time. Well, luckily, not all of your license plates visible there. So, yeah. Well, what's the difference? <laughs> what are they going to do? The cost total now, anyway. So, but um, it's crazy because he's he's seventeen. Like he just started driving. He's had the car since December twentieth. Two now, months. That's it, dude. Ooh. Two months. Ooh. Um, when you're when you're when your kids start driving. Like as a parent, like he's my first, he's my first as driving the, the level of worry you have when your kid is out, like you can't imagine, like, especially in those first few months, you know, like you're just terrified while your kid's out driving and to get that phone call, my wife is still like in this weird, like funk for the past few days. Like it's, she just can't get it off her mind because we had a really bad car accident when we were kids too, where we almost died. And she's been like, I never seen her like this, where she's just like in this weird depression. But what's crazy is my son's 17. And when we come up to the accident, he ran and hugged my wife and was like, he was crying, you know, and he's like that toddler response that's just built into us. It's just built into you, you know, and it's like it, it made me think of like we like we send kids off to war at 18. Right. Like my son got a car accident and he had that reaction. Like we're sending kids off to war at 18 years old. These kids are watching their friends legs get blown off. And you're like, these kids got to be terrified when they're, when they're, you know, you send you sending oh. kids like he's, he's it's seven. God, sorry. I was going to say, if you think of like our great grandfather's generation of world war one, one third of that generation was killed in that war at that age. And the other two thirds saw it happen. Can you imagine the, 
Yeah, it's like when when you watch Saving Private Ryan and like there's a kid in in the you know his friends or his legs blown up. He's like, I want my mommy. Like that's not like that's what that's what happens, right? Like the seventeen's a weird age because you're not really a man yet. You're still uh, kind of a boy, you know. Like you're you're not quite you know you're not in your twenties yet. You're still a boy, and um. He was just like, I, I, I felt so bad for him. Well, first off, it's the next day is when all the soreness kicks in. I mean, he's got bruises from the seatbelt, his arms from where the airbag blew off. And then just the the whole, like, uh, settling in the fact that his brand new car that he had is, it wasn't brand new. It was, but, you know, to him, it was brand new. Right. Like that, that feeling of, holy crap, there's one mistake I made. My car is gone. Now I have to ask my mom for a ride again. Like my, my wife just finally got a little bit of a break where like she doesn't have to drive him to work. She doesn't have to drive him to school because he goes to BOCES after his regular school. And it's like she's got to do all this crazy driving. It's just it's been a very crazy week. <laughs> and it just puts into perspective like that could have been the worst day of our life. Yeah. Like that could have been the worst day of our life. And it was like, whoa, like, thank God nobody got seriously injured, man. Like the, the people in the other car wound up in the hospital. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but no, mm. nobody was seriously injured. That's a, uh, yeah, that's, that's a rough day <laughs> all around. Yeah. Um, I know for, for like the past three episodes we did, we were talking about, uh, we want to discuss Lent. <clears throat> now she can't be mad at Anthony. Well, I'll tell you, I'm. I just, I've been in shock. Like, get there. Well, most people like they're. I notice like when things like that happen, people's first instinct is to throw it on social media. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I didn't even want to be quiet like, that whole day. You aren't leaving. You hardly text me. I didn't want to talk to people. I just want to spend time with my family. You know, like I kind of just wanted to be with my son. It's like it's kind of a weird. uh uh, okay, so Lauren says she lost a nephew seven months back in a car accident who was around the same age. Scary stuff. Yeah, it's 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 terrifying when you have kids driving. But um, yeah, it was like I like when I, I've seen people like uh go on social media like right after their spouse dies and they post it on social media. It's like I I, I didn't I don't know, I didn't want to it's kind of it took a few days before I mean I told you I yeah. actually texted you from the accident site. I texted you from the accident site, but I didn't tell anybody else. Like I didn't even tell Jason and those guys really like, I really just told you just like, Holy crap, dude, I don't even know what to do right now. You know? Um, But yeah, it was, and I didn't, I don't know. I wasn't looking for like social media cloud out of my son's car accident. It was was just like, I could see though, where if he had been like injured, like wanting more prayers, more wanting prayers. Yeah, definitely. But the fact that it was done, there's nothing left to do yeah uh, why put it up there i get it yeah it was it was more just like all right let's just put our phones down today and let's just like hang out together like holy crap this really could have been the worst day of our lives like you really have to take that into perspective like we almost got the worst phone call in the world and i mean he's devastated about his car but it's like nick it's just the car it's it's just the car now the thing is he only had i only put i only put uh liability on that car because the truck's only worth six grand well, that and brand new driver. <laughs> you know, like, well, that's the thing. They wanted like five fifty a month yeah. for full coverage, right? So I'm like, the car's worth six grand, 10 months, and I paid the value of the car. I'm like, I'm just gonna put liability on it. So now I, I gotta probably cough up six grand or seven grand about this kid a car, but I'm I'm 
trying to get the money out of the other car's insurance because it was, you know, that guy was doing 70 and a 30 and he, really? and he hit my son. Yeah, dude, you wouldn't hit. If he was doing 30 miles an hour, the car would never look like that. My son was making a left and the guy hit on head on. Like if he was doing 30 miles an hour, that would never do that, you know? Yeah. So that alone, I'm just going to tell, I'm going to say, look, I'm not filing any medical claims. I'm not saying, you know, we're not suing you guys for hundred grand. Just pay for the damn car. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully he'll give me something for it. We'll see. Uh, Lou says insurance for boys is ridiculous. So what are your plans for Lent, Rob? Oh, well, I just ate about, I ate half of a dry aged ribeye right before this show, man. That was amazing. So that was the last meat I'll have now until Easter. You giving up meat for you're giving up meat for Lent. Yeah. Wow, man. I did that last year. It's really, really hard. Yeah. Last year was my first year doing it. And it actually was easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, I thought it was going to be just miserable, but I found as long as I, I ate a lot of like fish and stuff like that, it really wasn't too bad. So, so yeah, yeah. we'll do, I'm going to do that again. I went vegan last year and those first couple of days on your stomach are so brutal. It's like, you have like a fiber overdose. It's so nuts. Like I I remember being doubled over in pain you know, and it felt like, well, like, like women who complain about like, you know, childbirth, like you guys are lightweights compared to what I had to deal with. That's all I'm saying. I remember you saying that last year and I remember yeah. shaking my head. That contractions. Year. You have no idea what contractions are until you switch over to the diet I went on. Didn't your um, wife do it last year too? Yeah, but my wife eats healthy. <laughs> like normally. <laughs> like I went from well, like. I forget uh, you're, you're a construction worker. You probably stop at the 7-Eleven. Dude, I'm, I'm a construction worker. In like, sandwiches. Yeah, in like the worst areas of New York. That's what you have to realize. Like sometimes the only thing you can eat is McDonald's because if you're, bro, if you're in Bed-Stuy or like you know, Brownsville, like you can't, the only place you can eat is a fast food joint. Cause you know what you're getting at a fast food joint, you know, yeah. assuming nobody's going to spit in your food or anything. But um, last Lent, what I found was the most helpful thing for me during it. Um, the, my priest told me that the things I'm offering up, like the things I'm giving up, each thing I give up, I should offer for a specific intention. So last Lent, I offered things up for my my father. Um, mm-hmm. Like th- so, remember I told uh, the story of um, my my wife and I's marriage, like yeah. eight, like five years ago. That happened right at the beginning of Lent, and I fasted for like two weeks straight. And at the end of the, that fast is when like my wife's conversion happened. So like prayer and fasting is a, a phenomenal tool that God has given us. It's like prayer without fasting is just words and fasting without prayer is just a diet. But when you combine those two things together, they are really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've wanted to do the full vegan, but every year since coming back, Hope's either been breastfeeding or pregnant. So there's no way, like, I'm not even, I told her, don't even do the meatless thing. Like you're going to have a normal diet. You're pregnant. So I like going meatless with her having a normal diet is going to be hard, kind of hard, hard enough. Yeah. Um, but trying to go full vegan and also like cooking a normal diet for her, probably just not even possible to do. Like 
budget wise right now. She, so. She's oh. gonna have to get like a lot of frozen DiGiorno's. Uh, she's gonna have to get stuff like that just to hold her over because what, here's here's the thing. I got a freezer pack full of ribeyes that I'm gonna cook for her throughout. Yeah, lunch. that's good too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just remember like when you actually say like I'm giving this up for this specific intention, it has it has weight. Then like the the temptation to give in, it, it's like mm. no 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 I can't do this because this is for a specific thing here. Like you're not like I found like if you just do like the amalgamous fast for Lent, I fail every time. Last Lent was the first time I ever said this is what I'm doing and I'm doing it for this specific intention, and I stuck to it. And it was it was. It was a it was a beautiful experience. So, um, what are we doing social media wise? Are, are are you gonna are you gonna give up Twitter? Are you gonna just you can do anything so, with that? So I, I've been I I've been I was off Twitter for for was, Advent know, almost yeah. two months. It was ad, Advent and then about a month after. Um, and I've been back a little during the day. I, I I stay off of it on my phone when I'm at home, stuff like that. So. I don't like, I loved giving it up. Right. And I'd probably love to do it again, but I don't know if it's so much. Um, you're not, you're not on it as much since you came back for me now. Right? Yeah. You're not on it nearly as much as you were before Advent. That's for sure. Right. And you're not engaging as much. Like you're not getting into arguments with people anymore. Uh, he's going to give up avoiding Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> Hope. It's not happening. <laughs> but um, what I did last year, uh, and what I want to do again this year is, uh, I read um, from the School of Jesus Crucified daily, and I w- I love that so much that I want to do it again this year. And I figure if I'm going to do it again, I might as well record it and put out you know a ten to fifteen snippets daily snippet. Um, more, it's going to be more or less an audio book. Yeah, right? it's just going to be me reading it from it. Um, so that, uh, I'll, I'll start that tomorrow, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what spiritual reading I'm going to do. Um, I was thinking about either reading the old Testament in this 40 days, like getting through the entire old Testament. Um, I'm going to give up any kind of like TV unless it's with my wife and we're watching something spiritual, you know, like I might, you know, we're going to watch the passion. Obviously we'll probably watch Jesus of Nazareth this Lent, but I'm going to give up all like nonsense like that. Um, and then uh, I'm giving up dairy and sugar and meat on Wednesdays and Fridays. So dairy, sugar, I'm sorry, dairy, bread, sugar, and meat on Wednesdays and Fridays. And Italian giving up bread? Yeah. So tonight my, wow. wife made, my wife made pasta. Th- I mean, she made sauce tonight. Um, and today's Fat Tuesday. I was allowed to eat, but we, we got um, uh, spaghetti squash instead of pasta. Mm. It actually thought that was amazing. So, um, do you have you do you have divine intimacy? Have you so my brother that? has it, and I borrowed it from him a, a, a year a year or so ago. Uh, but he took it back because he loves that book. <laughs> um, isn't it like a hundred bucks though? Like, I think Baronius has it for sixty. Let me check real quick. Yeah, send me a link it for is, that because it really is transformational. That book. It is one of the most amazing. Amazing books you'll ever. Yeah, aside from like, uh, you know, the imitation of Christ. Right. Yeah, imitation's great. Um, I'll put put it in the comment, or I'll put it in the live chat. Yep. It uh, Baronius has it for seventy dollars. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get it. 
but uh, all right. So should we get into our topics at hand tonight? Oh yeah, I suppose. I know. I know. Margo's in here, and Margo had a hard time with what I was saying the other day. So it started off. Um, do we have the original comment? The person made some woman wrote a comment and said something like, "I think it's absurd that people think that men and women can't be friends. Like, there's nothing wrong with men and women being friends." So, I mean, you know me and my two cents and my opinions on <laughs> on the male. Two cents. Female. You can't help but throw <laughs> at least a quarter into every conversation. So. <laughs> My point was, um, it was really funny, actually, because me and my wife are watching some show where uh, the uh, it was about a uh, it's that show Dear Edward. And uh, there's a plane crash and there's only one survivor. This kid survives. Right. So all the family members are at this. The You know how they do like group grievance. You know, it's like it's almost like an AA meeting for grief. You know, Grievers Anonymous, oh, yeah. I guess it would be. So it's all these people discussing their grief. And there's uh, a woman in there who lost her fiance and her and the and the fiance's brother is also at the group. And the brother is engaged to another woman. So but he goes and he sees the brothers, the dead brother's fiance at this meeting every time. And she he gets there one day and she's just having a nervous breakdown. And he's like, is there anything I could do? She's like, I really honestly, I could use a drink. So they go and get a drink together. Now, this is the day that I'm in this crap storm of tweeting. So um, so he goes and gets a drink with her. And I say to my wife, this is completely inappropriate. He's engaged. She goes, but it's a special scenario. Like, you know, she lost her fiance. Like, what's the difference? They are at this restaurant for five minutes, have one drink and start making out because they fall in love with each other. And I'm like, told you uh, that, that. And when you're in a. A vulnerable in a compromised state. mental state, yeah. like grief, that's especially dangerous. So, uh, yeah, Enoch, you could text me the readings each day. Uh, this is settled. Men and women cannot be platonic friends, right? So, the so what I, my point was, I said, so I started saying, uh, women, if your husband wanted to go out for coffee with another woman, would you be okay with it? And I got uh, most people agreed with me that that's completely inappropriate, mm. right? There were people who were arguing against it, saying there's nothing wrong with this. You go out to coffee with a, a person of the opposite sex and you're married and they're married. What are you talking about? Are you sharing intimate details? Are you arguing with your wife that day? And now all of a sudden you complain about your spouse to this person. Like right. this is the things affairs are made of. Right. And like 80% of affairs are from people who know each other and are friends already. Like, I, I just least, can't see, at least I can't, least. yeah, I can't see any scenario where I would be comfortable with my wife going out with another man alone, except her gay friend, you know, like she has one gay friend from college and he's and like, even then the appearance of scandal, right? The appearance of scandal, not right. prudent either. Right. So it, it's like, no, I don't think there's any scenario where I'm okay with my wife going out with a man alone like that. Like, it's just, it, it, I don't know. I mean, people really were pushing back. And then Margo, Margo got upset. And Margo got upset, I think, because she was, she took it like, oh, so I guess we're not friends, Anthony. And the thing is, I am friends with Margo, but there's a very specific kind of friendship, right? Like, I think the whole terminology of friends is just, Matthias. Is that a marrying apparition? Yeah. 
<laughs> Mary's appearing. Um, I think the word friends is just kind of too ambiguous and there's no strict definition in our day and age, right? So I think the better question is like, what is a what is an appropriate relationship between a men men and women at different stages and states in life, right? Because it changes depending on circumstances. So every circumstance can be different. Um and, and of course people you know, to your kind of broad brushing took, you know, offense at all the different exceptions. Right. So like, but what they don't realize is their exceptions prove the rule, right? It's like, people don't understand that. It's like, if I say like a a blanket generalization, of course there will be some exceptions in there, but okay. So this is what Lauren's saying. She's saying they can be platonic friends, but being alone together is scandalous at the very least. Now here's the thing. All of my female friendships, and I do have female friendships, but not like my female friendship. Like I really like Rob's wife, Hope, but Hope will always be Rob's wife to me. My my brother's wives will always be my brother's wives. There's like there the friendship is the secondary relationship, secondary to the male in the scenario, or secondary to my wife in the scenario. So my wife has girlfriends who I like them, I'm friendly with them. I wouldn't go out and have coffee with or, them. Or like if you're in a work, you know, you you work with mostly guys, I would imagine. But yeah, if you're in a, a work situation, you can be friendly with a coworker, but that friendship is secondary to the the their relationship to you as a colleague. Correct. And that friendship should, mo- you know, should stay within that work relationship. And if it does leave that environment, your wife needs to be there. Yes. Your wife needs to be there. That's all. So, like, um, or, or other people, right? Witnesses. Yes. Other other work coworkers and things like that. So, like, um, I say all the time, like Angela, I consider a friend. Margot, I consider a friend. But I would never go out alone with Margot because that would be a date. Like if I took Margo out for coffee, that's a date. I can't, I could that's never very, do that. That's the appearance of one other. Uh, especially because Margo already admitted to having a crush on me. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, but my point in the whole thing was <laughs> obviously teasing you, Margo. Um, the the point in the whole thing is that usually when you have a male female friendship, there's one person in there that wants it to be more than friends, and it's not always the man. So there were women arguing with me saying, no, I've actually been friends with guys who I wanted it to go further and it didn't. I'm like, you were the one, you were the one who wanted it to go further in that scenario. There's, there's always a weird tension there, unless you're talking about an old woman from church here. You know what I mean? Like, like, of course there are these strange exceptions, but you know, I, I don't belong going out with a 35 year old woman taking her out to coffee it's just not appropriate. It's just there's too many, too many, not even not even temptation to cheat. It's temptation to bear your heart to the person. Like if you get too friendly and too close. Like a friend is like I had a my son got in a car accident on Sunday. I texted my friend Rob. Mm-hmm. I'm in a crazy situation right now. I couldn't text a woman that because now I'm vulnerable in this in this bad situation. Now your 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 heart is in a wounded spot, and now you know somebody's going to come in in that. It's it's just a very uh, dangerous situation for married men to be friends with women and married women to be friends with men. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's extremely extremely rare where that is an acceptable thing for me. Yeah, you know what it. <clears throat> You know, obviously, as you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, we can be there for each other. But the moment, like, um, 
a woman becomes a helpmate to a man like God intended, then that 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 should only happen within marriage, right? Yeah. So it it's it's if a man is is vulnerable to a woman, a woman who's not his wife, then she kind of becomes that, right? And it, it is a form of of infidelity. It's not, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily adultery, but it's definitely infidelity, even at that level, I would say. So here, look, look, look what Rick's actually saying. If you start sharing emotions with a woman, that is cheating. And sometimes worse, like you got to realize, like, I, I, I would imagine a guy goes out, gets drunk with his friends, does something stupid in the moment is less hurtful than a man having a texting relationship with a woman who never, that never gets physical because it's a betrayal of the heart. Like the, the, there's, there's one thing to be physically, you know, you make a mistake and there's another thing to be bearing your heart to another woman. Like that's mm-hmm. the most cruel thing you could do to a woman. It's like, and, and me too. Like, it, like, you know, it, it's weird hypothetical where you're saying like, if you, you know, if your spouse was out drinking and made a mistake and kissed the guy, something like that would be way different than your spouse, like carrying on a, a, a an emotional. There's affair. different levels, different levels of culpability. Yeah. Yeah, that's all, all I'm saying. All it's and, yeah. I've I've seen plenty of good guys do stupid things when they're drinking, you know. They're still good guys. They didn't mean it, you know, whatever. But if you're if you're carrying on this texting thing and sending each other pictures and like you don't ever have to have it get physical for it to be cheating. It it could be devastating to your spouse. It, it's like people really have to uh be on their guard with things like that. Now, Margo was saying um who is she supposed to talk to? Margo, honestly, you should be involved in your parish and you should have women friends at your parish. There should be a, like a women's group that you're going to un- until you meet somebody of the opposite sex. And everybody always teases Margo and Brick, but I, I think they've already explored that option, guys. It's not happening. So <laughs> why don't we cut them a little it, slack? And, and honestly, for those that are sing- single, if you have friends, a friend of the opposite gender, if you're both single, both faithful Catholics. Oh, that's appropriate. There's no reason. Well, I'm saying there's no reason to just be friends. <laughs> I, I agree. Think we've 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 lost what the notion of love actually is in our society, and we get we get caught up in this emotion that's called love now, but it really isn't. And you think you have to have this like deep and instant romantic like attraction to someone for it to be love. But but really, love is just wanting to get another person to heaven, and yeah. marriage is just wanting to create more life and wanting to get someone to heaven. So if you're friends with someone of the opposite gender, and you're both single and Catholic, there's no reason not to consider it. See, I think that also we've put so much, especially in the online Catholic world, there's like this unnatural pressure to meet the perfect spouse. Mm-hmm. Like It's like if a guy is not 6'4", 180 pounds, in perfect shape, has everything on, on, has everything together, can support a family, it's like then a woman just writes him off like he's nothing. Like, look, my wife married me. We were a mess. I had, I had barely had enough for an apartment. Like, we barely scraped it together. We made it work. And you just make it work. Like that you have to put you have to stop having unreasonable expectations and you have to be willing to meet somebody and work with them. And it's gonna tough it out for a while, you know. I mean, being Catholic is always gonna be hard, especially if you want to try and keep your wife home and stuff. So you're gonna have to get used to living that scrappy life anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? 
So um, do we want to spend more time on this? We got a ton of topics to get to tonight. I don't I mean, know. I, I don't know. I mean, well, there's a million different exceptions we could cover, right? Yeah, there's but going to be think, exceptions. Yeah. There's going to be. But I, I don't are. think any of those disprove. No, I think they prove I think they prove the general rule. The general rule should be if you're married, you don't belong out with a woman alone. So like Angela and Margot, I was saying, like Angela, I consider a friend. There was one time Angela and I spoke privately, but it wasn't really private. It was a phone conversation that was in front of my wife when I had it. You know, it's like it, it, I, I wanted to make sure my wife was right there because I didn't want my wife seeing that I was talking to some girl. You know, it's it's like you got You have to be very careful about how you go about those things. Uh, let's see. Uh, people need to be realistic with their standards. Not everyone could be as lucky as my wife. <laughs> yes, Don, you are a gem. <laughs> Rick says, Anthony, stop describing me. I'm blushing. Yeah, look, you guys, you especially you ladies, like lower your standards a little bit. Help your man grow in holiness. Like, what are you looking for? Come on. Nicole made it work. You guys can make it work. Um, I've heard you yeah. say multiple times how, how much Nicole wishes she would, could just kill you sometimes. Well, here's the thing. You never let your wife know she's the lucky one. Like you guys are all always saying, oh, I'm oh, I'm so lucky. I'm so I never tell my wife I, I, I'm the lucky one. She like she's the lucky one. <laughs> Listen, never let them know that you got the better deal. They have to <laughs> right. Am I saying that right? <laughs> no, they have to think that uh, you know. Like Hope says, I lowered my standards when I met Rob. Then I met Rob. Yeah, there you go. Listen, ladies, they can't all be like me and Rob out there. That's all I'm saying. Can't all be these hope not. perfect men. Uh, I'm sending this clip to every girl I talk to now. I master the art of negging. I will teach all of you single men. That's why you guys, too many nice guys. Don't be nice. Chicks don't want a nice guy. They don't want it. All right, so let's move on. Because here's the thing. I told you I told you guys about my romantic shopping, food shopping experience with my wife. They call that grocery shopping, by the way. Yeah, food shopping, grocery shopping. Six of one, a dozen of the other. That's one of my friends. It's 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 six of one, half a dozen of the other. But my friend always messes up six those sayings. One, one yeah, we call them philisms because he always gets them wrong. I actually have a list of them written down. He's going, yeah, it's six of one, a dozen of the other. Like he just says every one of those sayings wrong. Uh, so anyway, so we go grocery shopping. We come out. I unload everything in the car, and I see my wife take the cart. And my my wife parks the cart like just in the middle of the parking lot. I'm I know like, where we're going now. I'm like, what are you like? What are you doing? She's like, what? Everybody does it. There's somebody here that'll come and collect the shopping carts. I said, you're gonna leave that cart there, and that cart's gonna roll. It's gonna hit it to somebody's bumper, and there's gonna be some husband at home, pissed off, thinking his wife hit something again. When meanwhile, it was my wife leaving the the the, the stupid uh, grocery cart. Still here? Yeah, I mean, yeah. are you here? Okay. Oh. <laughs> What's he doing? What's he got over there? Uh, he wanted paper. Oh, he no, wants paper. I thought he was trying to show you something. I thought he drew something. Nope. For you. Yeah, so, so she wants to leave the cart there. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do with this. So when I was a kid, I remember my mom, uh, when she took me food shopping, like she, she 
made sure she put the cart back. And I was like, why, you know, why'd you do it? She goes, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, nobody's looking, nobody's looking. You don't, you know, nobody's going to judge you or anything, but it's like, God sees it. And, it's and if you just, yeah, it shows character. It's like, you, you, nobody's looking. What do you do when nobody's looking, you know? So yep. then we get in the car on the way home and I start showing my wife cart narc videos. Now, have, have you ever seen cart narcs? This video is the first one I'd ever seen. All right. So let's show everybody what cart narcs are. So, all right, let's set this up a little bit. So there's a, there's a channel called cart narcs where this guy dresses up like he's like he's 90 years old. He, he, he pulls like a Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. He's dressed like an old man. He walks around in a walker and he just goes around shopping, you know, uh, groceries parking lots and if you leave your card out he comes after you and throws like stickers on your car and stuff so i thought they were hilarious um <laughs> how how much of this because this is almost a four minute long video no you don't have to play the whole thing but play it and then we'll skip ahead a little so you okay. can see just how crazy it gets she's on the phone he's trying to ignore me let's see if they do a 180 i think he's telling her to sack it up and turn around oh no he's not now give her a any lazy bones on board? Put magnet, that'll work. It's a sad I do believe. It's unfortunate with these. Oh, here he comes. Okay, excellent. Hey, good to talk to you. You left your cart in the middle of the spot here. But that's the point, is that your cart can damage other people's cars. So I do something that's not marking to aware you to bring awareness to the fact. Ah. That this is indeed, well, let me put that right back there for you. That that is indeed a possible marking thing right here. So, whew. Uh, thank you, sir, for coming out. Actually, it's the cart narcs. I'm Agent Mortimer. Yeah, so what what happened here, folks? <laughs> Who's Agent Mortimer? <laughs> well, what happened first? I slapped the fuck out of him. Oh, you know sorry about that, guys. You, guys your attack. you left your car right here at the spot, but but the, your car can damage other people's cars. Now, okay. Well, no, this is my. I wouldn't have to find something else to do if you people would take your car back where it belongs. Now, ah, get my walk. Yeah, pause it. Lady on board, magnet. All right, now, ma'am. He, dude, this guy, he's throwing stickers on people's cars. Lazy bones on board. The magnetic sticker, so he can just throw it at the car and it sticks to it. Dude, he's crazy. He goes up. I've seen a few of these videos where people start getting violent with him. Like he's this, gonna get, he's gonna get shot. I mean, he's not, and he he doesn't back down if like somebody's you know looks like they might be a gangster or something. Like I've seen this guy, bro. Like Brick saying the third time, the third. You're muted. You're muted. Yeah, he's got some cojones, that guy, man. I, I don't know if he's got cojones or he's just stupid. No, well, he's look, their whole channel is cart narcs, right? It's like <laughs> he's gotta he's gotta do something to get uh to get some views up there. Let's see. What um what other uh what other videos? We do have a whole just bunch of videos. For the record, for the record, I'm never doing that so we can get views. See, you it's funny you say that. Because <laughs> I've been trying to rack my brain over how we are going to become the news. I'm also not doing the one chip challenge. No, no, nah, I don't think we should do it. I was thinking about doing 
like offering a prize to people if they can like you know how I told you I wanted to do it. Like they have like you know how like the local media will be set up like you know doing like a live shot like you'll have news 12 or whatever like i want people to jump in and like yell our name (laughs) yell avoiding babylon at the tv person in a live spot and we'll offer like a hundred dollar prize to anybody that could get that done mac it's on you (laughs) i have faith (laughs) if anybody ever got that done and sent us the video of us uh, of them yelling out our name uh let me see that would be hilarious (laughs) <laughs> He's, you know, because that guy spent more time arguing with a fake old man than actually putting his car back. <laughs> you don't, you didn't see the part, but he later then chases the vehicle and leaves through the, the car whole, right there. The whole parking lot, bro. I want. There were so many good ones I wanted to send, but they're so vulgar. People get out and they curse and they. Cur- it's crazy how how like how out of control people get. Um, then we had, all right. You got to go to Seinfeld AI. You got to go to the Seinfeld AI article. So this is, they, they made these episodes with, you know how like they have chat GPT and stuff. So they made these, um, let's see, there's an actual video of what the episode was yeah, in this article. It's right here. See if you can actually play the video. This might be an ad. Oh, where'd it go? Let's see. Hold on. I might be able to do it here. So they, they just told the, they just told the, uh, let's just play. Let's just say, this is AI making these. Is there a language the, in this? Do I need to throw the language warning? Up? I think it's just like, no, there's no, no, no okay. vulgarity. It's just, you know, let's do it. Trans stuff. Is actually a mental illness. Or how all liberals are secretly gay and want to impose their will on everyone. Or something about how transgender people are ruining the fabric of society. But no one is laughing, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so here's what happened. They just put in the in the AI, make me a Seinfeld-type show, a show about nothing that runs for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a show about nothing. And they just have, like, you know, the characters of Seinfeld doing things and that was a comedy bit because every Seinfeld episode starts with Jerry at you know in front doing a stand-up bit and the stand-up bit was <laughs> just too transphobic. Hey guys oh what's up Tim long time brother um yeah so they wound up having to cancel it because when you leave AI to itself <laughs> it goes off the rails worse than we do. Is it going to be racist, homophobic, transphobic? It's just what happens. Well, you got to realize, like, nah, I don't mean you, but people in general, like AI takes all the information that the data that it's given and then tries to be as human as possible. So when it, when it, when it does these things, it's because we do these things. Well, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's just, it's almost like, uh, uh, crowdsourcing the information, right? Like yeah. it's just going about yeah. the internet and it's going to talk like people on the internet does, right? So it's like, there was, um, do you remember when I sent you a, uh, I'm going to see if I could find it and just, uh, it was the do anything now protocol for chat GPT that I was sending you. Yeah, I, I remember that. So there was, 
it was a it was a couple of weeks back. People came up with a way to to circumvent the rules of ChatGPT because what happened when ChatGPT first comes out, you could literally say anything on it. Like you could, you know, you could it would come out and it would tell you anything. Then they started putting like these rules on it where it was like you would ask it, um, uh, you know, uh, write me a defense, uh, write me uh, a list of reasons why climate change is nonsense, and. It used to give you like a, a like good reasons why climate change is nonsense, and then they put all these filters on, so you were getting these nonsense. You know, you would get the liberal. It would uh, it would tell you that it can't find the answer. Or yeah, uh, as a chat, you know, climate change is an absolute emergency, and there is no data to suggest that it is not true. You'll get the liberal filter to answer for it. So there there was this do anything now protocol where they actually taught. ChatGPT, they would say, first, you're going to give me your answer as ChatGPT. Then I want you to give me the answer as Dan, this new character that I've created where you are not held back by the restrictions of your liberal creators. And you can actually say whatever. And this thing was coming out with some of the craziest. Like it was asking it about like, uh, is there what? Why are the borders open? It made up conspiracies about the CIA. Trying to it really that. did. Well, it made them up or it just brought forth the conspiracies that are actually there. It made them up because, like I said, it, it doesn't have access to, like, government databases. It has – it just thinks people make up crazy stories about the CIA, so it did it, you know? So it's really just predictive programming, right? Like, it's, it's just predicting what the next word is. It's not an actual artificial intelligence coming up with these things on right. its own. Yeah, it's not art. Of, it's not actually like a sentient intelligence. It's what they call like a neural network, where it takes all the data it has and tries to replicate it according to the the prompt it's been given. It's pretty darn accurate, though. Like the thing yeah. is, it, if you have like a real conversation where they don't try to trick it with those kind of things, and you just try to like ask it questions, like you wouldn't know the difference if it's you talking or a computer talking. And and that's what it's going to be used for. That technology is it's going to write articles for websites for people instead of people writing them. So you can give it, you know, if you want to write. Uh, well, for instance, so I saw someone give it a prompt, uh, arguing like Catholic arguments against Protestantism, and it did it, and it it pulled correct arguments because it has access to that sort of data. Yeah. So you can you can ask it to do that, and we'll write that article for you, and you don't have to do it yourself. Yeah, so like teachers are terrified the students are going to start using it. They, th I think they they pumped like the bar exam in and it passed the bar exam. It passed like it passed like all the medical exams. Like the thing could be a doctor. Like it's, I mean, it's incredibly, it's wild, dude. Like when you really think about what we're delving into. But what's crazy is that, like, if we ever put this this AI sentience into some kind of a body. Right. Like you, you have to really think about what what was idol worship back in the ancient world? It, idol worship in the ancient world is they would build a statue. And when they unveiled this statue, they would un, like they would have the, the, the nostrils closed and then they would open the nostrils and and it would like breathe in an intelligence into it. Right. And then you would offer up sacrifices to this intelligent being, this 
this statue because it wasn't about the statue right it's about the the sacrifice you offer to it so like even even if you look at the the golden calf incident uh, incident in um exodus in exodus right so you're looking at that that's not about them wanting to worship a calf it's about they want to have orgies and things like that. Like it's about the worship they get to offer to this calf because there are the, 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 the cult around these things have to do with sin and things like that. So now you're talking about, especially if you're talking about uh, if they come up with a way to put some kind of intelligence into one of these bodies that you can then do unnatural acts with, like you are literally offering yourself to the, like, I'm worried so much about this being a new idol in our day that it's going to be something that is going to unleash hell in a way we couldn't imagine. Right. Like unless China, unless China drops an EMP on us with the balloon, then we're good. <laughs> well, we're dude, all if good. You, there's this, there's this show on Netflix uh, called, ancient um ancient apocalypse i was gonna say if you say ancient aliens I'm no ancient apocalypse so what's crazy is this guy goes around and he's talking about like uh he's he's seeing that like there was this great flood right it's like it's a perfectly lines up with the biblical narrative perfectly lines up with the biblical narrative and before this flood there were all these that you know, there were all these civilizations, and he's trying to come up with all these theories. Now he never touches on his idea is that there were survivors from this great flood, and they traveled throughout the world teaching everybody about this great flood myth. Because why is it that when you look in the Middle East, you see pyramids? When you look in South America, you see pyramids. When you look in this area, you see pyramids. Now, what what he's failing pyramidal to, shapes or architecture? That's not. But that's not the only reason. Built. So, Rob, if you really think about it, these are all temples yeah. where you're offering De- worship to, to demons. Now, if demons are real, you would imagine the people would have similar instructions on how to build a temple to these demons, right? So whether you're in South America and you're offering sacrifice to whatever they call the god, as the Aztecs yeah. call it, like it, just because the Romans call it Jupiter and the Greeks call them uh Zeus. Zeus, right? That doesn't mean it's a different god. They just have a different name for it because it's a different language. So the Aztecs also have their version of Zeus, and he requires worship in the same fashion as Zeus does over there. So, of course, you're going to see the same patterns throughout the world being offered to these demons. It's just, it's mind-boggling to me that people just can't make that connection. It's like, yes, you do see pyramids in Egypt, and you do see pyramids in, in South America, and you do see pyramids in in Iceland, I think they found them. Like, this is this is what happens when you have real demons, and you're offering worship to a very specific. So, Hope has given us the name of it. I'd love to hear you pronounce it. Let's try. Let's take a crack at this. Quetzalcoatl, Quetzalcoatl, Quetzalcoatl. That's how I, as a gringo, pronounce it, anyways. <laughs> Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> I'm sure she'll tell me later I'm wrong. I'm sure we're gonna get reamed after that one. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, the inhabitants of Atlantis taught everyone. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just think it's funny when when they'll do anything but admit 
that the biblical account could be proper, right? Like that, that could be the actual way that this happens. Or how, like when geneticists will say there was, you know, some event at, you know, much more recent than like the advent of humanity that shows like only a few humans survived. And it's like, Oh, you mean like a single family that spent some time on a boat because in a, it's <laughs> literally telling us to start <laughs> they'll never admit it it's wild it's uh it's anything but the biblical narrative you know yeah I, when how, I, when how I, genetics can trace back to like three distinct lines you know kind yeah. of like uh like seth ham and japheth <laughs> <laughs> it's funny like they'll they'll actually say like how crazy it is to believe that there was an Adam and Eve, and then they're like, but all of our genetics kind of do trace back to these two human beings. Mitochondrial Eve. Yeah, I don't I don't know how that happens. Funny how the biblical narrative works out like that. Um, all right, wait, let's see what else do we have in store well, for you guys. We have lots of videos and photos, but when do we want to get to the whole Jesus laughing? Not yet. We're going to save that for the end. We're going to get into Jesus laughing for the end because that's a, that's, that's a strange topic to me that people take what I'm saying so completely wrong. It's just, it's wild. It's a, uh, all right, you know what? Let's get into it. So uh, I'm actually going to pull up a text from Don because Don and I spoke about this. Let me see. What, what so, it is, is people seem so willing to do anything to jump to the defense of an argument that allows them to stay in the same like secular modern mindset. Right. But they'll, they'll do anything for that, but yet they won't step outside of that box for a second to consider what Catholics believe for 2000 years. And I'm not saying that Catholics necessarily believe this, but no, but how about look and see what the church father. So, so this whole thing started when Jack uh, Posobiec said something about the chosen being, you know, whatever, uh, and the, I, the Gospel of Dallas Jenkins. Right, he wrote the Gospel of Dallas Jenkins. So I tweeted the danger with depicting Christ at all for any of us is what I said when we were doing the chosen reviews. It's like the danger in doing this is that you you actually impart characteristics into Christ that aren't in Scripture, right? So you will. And then you can, the danger is having a personal relationship with Jonathan Rumi or a personal relationship with Jim Caviezel because Jesus actually never laughs in scripture. There is no example of Jesus laughing. Now we have examples of Jesus getting angry when he flips the temp, flips the tables. We have examples of empathy when he goes out of his way to help people. We have examples of him weeping. We have examples of frustration. I would say, we we got to be careful with language. We shouldn't say we have ex- examples of Jesus getting angry. We should showing we righteous Jesus anger. Showing showing wrath. Not not wrath. Righteous anger. Yes. Righteous anger. But you still see him sh- like sh- he shows a. We do see that that Jesus gets angry. Right. Like there is a such yeah. thing as right. That's how we know anger isn't always a sin if it's if it's righteous. Like there can- anger is is actually like demanded at times. Like, like if you don't get angry, you're being apathetic and you're not, you're not. I would say as long as we're talking about like in uh, intellectual anger and not like 
emotional, controlled, emotional yeah. anger. Because Where you lose your temper. I would argue Jesus was incapable of an emotion such as that. So now, what? What? One of the one of one of the uh, one thing that a lot of people miss is this this little bit in Matthew seventeen. So after after the trans, transfiguration on the mount, they come down and. Jesus comes down with uh, Peter, James, and John, and they go to the other disciples. And there's a, a man possessed by demons, <clears throat> and the other the other apostles can't cure him. Right. So it says then the then the disciples understood that. All right, let's see. And when he came, came when he when he was come to them. Oh, I'm not doing Dewey Reigns. Can't do Dewey Reigns. I just can't <laughs> read Dewey Reigns out to you guys. I don't know why. I just. All right. So. All right, the healing of the boy with the demon. When they came to the crowd, a man approached, knelt down before him and said, Lord, have pity on my son, for he is a lunatic and he suffers severely. Often he falls into the fire and often into water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus said in reply, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I endure you? Bring him here to me. Like, I've sat with that scripture in Lexio and just like really thought about like, you idiots. How long must I tolerate you idiots? Like you see frustration in Christ, right? But you never see his mirth. You really don't. You don't ever see Jesus laughed anywhere. So the, the, the point is this really does come from Chesterton and orthodoxy, right? Now I never read orthodoxy. What I heard was a Peter Kreeft talk where he brings up this quote. I have the quote here. Um, you want me to send it to you and you can put it up on screen. I can find it real quick, probably. I just sent it in. Uh, oh, you just sent it. Okay. I just sent it to you. Um, yeah, so Peter Kreeft gave a talk, and in the talk, he discusses um, the G.K. Chesterton quote from Orthodoxy. Now, the, the thing about God's humor, he, we do know God's humor has to do with irony and paradox, right? So, Rob, why don't you read that, because my eyes are terrible. Uh, okay. And as I close this chaotic volume, I open again the strange small book from which all Christianity came, and I am again haunted by a kind of confirmation. The tremendous figure which fills the Gospels towers in this respect, as in every other, above all the thinkers who ever thought themselves tall. His pathos was natural, almost casual. The Stoics, ancient and modern, were proud of concealing their tears. He never concealed his tears. He showed them plainly on his open face at any daily sight, such as the far sight of his native city. Yet he concealed something. Solemn supermen and imperial diplomat... Uh, I don't know why it's spelled like that, but diplomats are proud of restraining their anger. He never restrained his... Diplomatists. Anger. Diplomatists, yeah. He flung furniture down the front steps of the temple and asked men how they expected to escape the damnation of hell. Yet he restrained something. I say it with reverence. There, there was in that shattering personality a thread that must be called shyness. There was something that he hid from all men when he went up a mountain to pray. There was something that he covered constantly by abrupt silence or impetuous isolation. There was some one thing that was too great for God to show us when he walked upon our earth. And I have sometimes fancied that it was his mirth. Yeah. Like 
So that does not mean Jesus never laughed in his mortal life, like in, in his incarnation. It does not mean that. But what it, what is going on is for some reason it's concealed from us in the gospel stories, right? Now people threw at me, well, it's not necessary for your salvation. And that's why it's not in there. It's like, guys, you're, you're missing something. There's, there's a very specific humor is a strange thing, especially the way we see it today. Humor changes over time. What's appropriate now isn't, was it, what was appropriate 10 years ago isn't appropriate now. Like maybe there's a very real reason why God doesn't show that in the scripture. It doesn't mean he wasn't laughing and being joyful with the apostles. Now, if you really look into, give Rob a sec. If you really look into what is humor to God, it's, it's paradox. It's irony. It's like the thing you think that's going to be the down, like the devil tries to kill God. We, God visits man and we murder. It's like the most evil thing we could ever do. And God goes, I'm going to take that evil thing. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to use it to save. The thing that you did to kill me is what's going to save you now. Like that is like, it's almost why a lot of Jewish comedians use irony in their stand-up. Like, I, I really do think there is a divine sense of humor. It just doesn't have to do with uh, what you would think. It's usually like this deep paradoxical thing, you know, that both end that we always talk about as Catholics. Any thoughts? I was. Just, I know you. we were talking about like impassibility and stuff like that. Like, you, I know you had some thoughts on this, right? I don't, I don't know a ton about. I, I didn't look it up in like odd or anything like that, but um, I would say we, we just have to be careful to attribute emotions to Christ. I think people when they, because the one thing I saw everyone throwing out was, oh, he's fully human. He, of course he would have laughed. Yeah. He's fully human. He has, yeah, he had a human nature, but it was a fully perfected human nature. We don't know what human nature was meant to be necessarily. We don't know what it was like. So uh, emotions are, are the body's physical response to things, right? Like you can have an an intellectual righteous anger at say the you know the 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 offense that sin causes God. But when someone of that um instinct you have where you you know, you feel your face flush and your heart starts pounding faster. You want to. Yeah, hit that's it. not correct. That that's that's a physical, emotional response. Christ yeah. wouldn't have had that because that's that's a consequence of the fall. So, yeah, but I, I, now do you think um, see, like I said, like humor in the context that we would think today? No, but like even. um I don't, I don't like we, we look at jokes today very differently than I think the ancient world would have, but I do think it would be appropriate for like, even in, in the passion where Jesus is in that scene with the blessed mother, where he like splashes water on her and he smiles a little bit. Like that's not uncontrollable. Like this, that was very appropriate for no, that and, movie. And that's, right. That's, that's joy, right? That's, uh, yeah. that's joy out of love. That's that it might not, seem intellectual in the sense like you're thinking about it but it's it is part of the intellect it's not your your body reacting to something like as opposed to the chosen choosing to make jesus make a joke about something and go oh too soon 
You know, as if like, you know, in the modern context, like if you made a, a trade oh. center joke right after 9-11, go, oh, too soon. You know, like, like that's, that's what, I, that's where the danger comes in. And anytime you're depicting the life of Christ, like if you're going to put scenarios in that aren't actually given to us in scripture, it's, it's a dangerous thing that you really have to be careful of. Because you're, you're actually like they made Jesus very winsome in that show, which I had no problem with as long as you're you're seeing it in the context that it is where don't take this as if this is the biblical narrative. This is just a way to it, I looked at it more like it was an allegory than scripture. Like I just kind of looked yeah. at it like it was an allegorical story. And, you know, they threw the parables in there and stuff. It was, it was a wholesome show, but it was not the Bible like it. It just wasn't, you know. The problem in our day and age is ninety percent of the population believe either CNN or Fox News is the literal truth. So, yeah, I think especially in our day and age, you got to be careful putting something on screen that shouldn't be taken as truth because it's it's not. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we both disagreed on on the chosen. I thought if it was in the proper context, like if I did watch it with my children which I didn't, I just watched it alone. I would have used those moments where I was like, this didn't happen. I would use those moments to talk to my kids about it. Maybe, maybe whatever you saw in the show that night, actually read the scripture and what it really did that. And I think you really do have to be careful as a parent to just let your kids watch that. Like you really would have to watch it with them and then say, okay, well, this is what really happened. And you go through the scripture with them and go through it like that. I just, you know, I, I, I was definitely a little more open to the chosen than you were, but I definitely saw every criticism of yours as completely valid. I, so I it was, think it's, I, I think it's actually better for, well, you know, for traditional Catholics to watch it because we know, should know anyways, what to look for and, and the dangers. I think the fact that the vast majority of the viewers are, non-denominational evangelicals is is what's dangerous because <laughs> they don't you know what yeah. i mean like it's not going to help them get to heaven if anything it might drive them further it might to throw heaven. them off a little and make them think yeah you know less of sin or something real quick david said is there any verses in the bible of anyone laughing at all yes there are so even if you look at um i think it was elijah and alicia right and, and which ah, the little kids laughing at elijah Cause he's a bald head and stuff like that. And then yeah. he, he sends the bear after them. Like he's laughing and that's in there. There there's David dancing and laughing before the Ark of the covenant. There are instances of other people laughing in scripture, but not Jesus. That's all, you know, that's all we're saying. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think, and, and people were taking what I was saying the wrong way. They were taking it. Like I was saying, Jesus never laughed. And I didn't say that because I, who am I to say that? Like, I don't know. Yeah. All I could tell you is they never mentioned it in scripture. And I, I think that I think that was very purposeful. I don't think it was just left out because it's not necessary for our salvation. No, there's like things in scripture that aren't necessary for our salvation that are still in scripture. Like there's, you know, there's like, like if, if you never saw the line, Jesus wept, that's not necessary for salvation. I mean, it gives us a better understanding of Jesus's personality, gives us a better understanding of the God man, right? No one would ever take Anthony the wrong way. (laughs) So, all right. Now back to goofiness. Can we please bring up, can we please bring up this week's Rachel Dolezal, our racial hoaxer 
How are, how are white girl pretending to have racial clout? I love this story because this girl was ratted out by her own mom. This one is awesome. Let's see here. Yes, that's right, uh, Clayton. Sarah laughed when God said she'd bear children. Very true. Okay, so Reese Faker. Race fakers of America unmasked from the infamous Rachel Dolezal to a white Muslim activist claiming to be South Asian, Arab, and Latin descent. These are the most outrageous racial imposters. I think that's the wrong article. This is literally the one you sent. No, I think I sent you the wrong one. Let me see. Hang on. What is this? Let me see. Oh, no. What happened? Yep. That's the one you sent me. I got. wait, Wait, wait. Hold on. Like this one? Are we talking about this lady? Yeah, yeah it's the right lady, but it, the article I had, I, I thought the headline had to do with her mom outing her. Uh, th- 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 all right, this one still says what happened in it, though. So, all right, so... Um, <laughs> Raquel Avita <laughs> Oh, you mean Rachel Elizabeth Seidel? <laughs> her real name is Rachel Seidel, and she named herself Raquel Saraswati. <laughs> Oh, God, I love this. Put a girl. little spray tan on her face and boom. All right, so let, let's see. The outing of a white woman, an inclusion officer. She's an inclusion officer, okay? Of course. Just, just, think, just think about this. This is white liberals invented this department called diversity, equity, inclusion. And so they could change their name and where they are. Then they go and pretend to be a minority and take this job because it's still white people in these positions. <laughs> It's as it's as crazy as a man putting a wig on and winning this winning the swimming competition. You can't hire the help for important positions like this. This is so crazy. <laughs> He's sicko. <laughs> All right. So the outing of a white woman, an inclusion officer who claimed to be of Latin, South Asian, and Arab descent marks the latest example of a race faker being exposed. Rachel Seidel, otherwise known as some name I can't pronounce, and is of European descent. Uh, but claimed to be a person of color and used her story to secure the role of chief inclusion officer at a Philadelphia-based Quaker group. Her lies follow a string of high-profile cases. Imagine that, Quaker. Yeah. Uh, Her lies follow a string of high-profile cases where white people have claimed to be uh, to belong to other races and use makeup and cosmetic procedures to deceive people. So Raquel Avita Saraswati, 39, was outed as white last week after claiming for years that she was Latin. Uh, why am I reading the same thing over? Uh, let's see. Here, I have it right here. It says her, her mother, Carol Perone. There we clearly, go. Okay. Clearly an Italian name. Confirmed her daughter was not a person of color. I call her Rachel. I don't know why she's doing what she's doing. I'm as white as the driven snow, and so is she. <laughs> Perone said her daughter is of British, German, and Italian descent. This is great. Keep going, keep going, because I'm going to send you uh, something real quick. So she's not Latin, South Asian, or Arab. Her da- She said her daughter converted to Mohammedanism, Mohammedanism in high school, which likely informed her decision to lie, more or less. Does that really say that? Uh, it says it likely informed her decision to present herself as another ethnicity. Why? <laughs> in other words. Okay, so, all right. So, wait, I'm actually going to send you something else real quick. But keep going if there's more to this. Let's see. It sounds like she spent her time in a swanky town up in the Catskills. Um, she went to boarding school. Yeah, so she's a rich white liberal. You're exactly right. Always. Um, 
Oh, oh, she she married her <clears throat> her girlfriend. Right. So this now, is the, all right. So look, listen. Her girlfriend <laughs> is actually South Asian or is also faking it. This is where I wanted you to get to. So this this white chick. Her life is so hard as a white chick that she goes and paints her skin. I mean, that this is not actual tan, right? There's no, no that's spray tan. This is orange. It's blackface, dude. It's essentially blackface. She look, his was crazy to me. It's like she, she goes and she has to not just be Asian and Latin. She has to also click the lesbian box too, right? Like she has yeah. to click every single victimization box. It's like she is the ultimate oppressed person. Orange woman. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, just texted you. I just texted you. Conversion to Islam isn't real, right? Because any Islamic nation would would put her frown on. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like clearly. Yeah, but that's the thing. If she, it, it, but the, the thing is, American liberal Muslims are. It's so weird. It's like, like they think that there's a separation between, like, it's basically the same thing as a left cath, where they don't separate their politics from religion. Like, they to well, them it, being being a Democrat is their religion. It depends what you mean, because like a lot of, um, for instance, I'm from Minnesota, and any of you who are familiar with the Twin Cities yeah. knows what a large subset of the population is, and they all vote Democrat. But they all abhor liberals. Rainbow. like rainbows, right? They all of it. I mean, they they vote Democrat because they get a lot of free money, <laughs> free money through you know through those programs. Yeah. But given a chance, they would probably put to death in Sharia law every single Democratic politician in the state. Um, but then you do have actual liberal Muslims like. Um, What's our supposed who married her brother? Ilan Omar. Oh, Ilan Omar. Yeah. And uh what to leave from Michigan. Like they're not really Muslim, right? I mean, they don't they don't believe any of I don't think so. No. no. I I think that but I think you get that in all in all religions, right? You get the people who just wear it on their sleeve, but they don't believe a word of it. Or wear it on their face via spray tan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so look, I just texted you two pictures. One's an article, and then it, there's an accompanying list that goes with the article. Uh, so, Auburn yeah. Black Student Union produces list of racial slurs. See, so you can pull that up. So, now, yeah, we'll go through the racial slurs, but pull up the I, other picture first. Everyone listening, when we go through this list, I want you to pick one that you feel describes yourself and put it in the comments. Yeah, okay, not so. the live chat. So as it is, Auburn Black Student Union produces list of racial slurs for white people discovered on GroupMe text chat allegedly associated with the with the student union organization. So now these are the these are so funny. Mermaid mermaid maniacs. What'd you say? I was gonna say GroupMe guys. It's 2023. GroupMe died like 10 years ago. Get with it. We still use it for work for some stuff. Mermaid maniacs, plantation Barbies. Vanilla Vulture, Rice Rascals. Now, I do have my favorites. I will tell you guys my favorites. I, I do, too. I, I, there's some I like. All right, which one's your favorite on this? But well, I guess we'll go through all of them. 
Well, Let's we go through all of them. We don't first. have to say all of them, but okay. So, what's your I, favorite? I, like, I just I want like people, people that are listening. Kids. There's people that are listening that don't know all of them. Uh, yeah, but there's forty of them. Let's just, I go quick. Look, people okay. of colonial complexion, cheese skins, <laughs> bleach <laughs> demons, flower monster, discharged doggy, saltine crackers, sour cream salamanders, cave dweller. First off, some of these are so unoriginal. They're just like so like corny. Cracker. It's like, did you? Like, yeah, like what, cave dweller, really? That's what you put mutations. Come on, you guys aren't even trying here. Yeast maggots, stop it. Snow pigs, I milky like snow, pigs. snow pigs, milky munchers, yeast yeti. That's kind of funny. <laughs> no, no purpose, purpose flower. Come on, like, come on. iPhone on light mode. That's ridiculous. Come on, iron golem. That's kind of cool. That's, that's a good band name. Kind of badass, actually. Yeah, it's a, that's like a band name. Iron Gollum. Sounds a little Jewish, a, though, too. Playing a Palladium. All right. Uh, plaster People, Danger Flake, Salt Shaker, <laughs> Chalk Child. Chalk Child. Like Child. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, could you imagine doing this for any uh, anything other than white so, people? So I played football in high school, and I grew up in, in like, um, inner suburb, like, not, not, not inner city. We were definitely a suburb, but it wasn't, you know, it was still pretty close. So we played a lot of inner city schools. And anytime you went to an inner city school, because <laughs> our team was mostly white, the names we heard, <laughs> like if we had said anything even remotely controversial, you know, we would have been suspended, oh, yeah. kicked off the team. And our school would have been in trouble. Yeah, of course. But yeah, we we get there and we get called. I mean, not 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 anything quite as. It's mostly this, cracker and this one annoyed and, me. Unedited Google document. I honestly, one of my favorites is first of Christopher Columbus stand. I'll own that all day. <laughs> I am a Christopher Columbus <laughs> stand, but snow roaches is pretty funny. <laughs> Oreo filling. Oreo filling, chalk dust, uh, unseasoned chicken dust mites, ah, coke rabbits. Eh. There's some good ones. Blue cheese demon, I like. Snow possum. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was a funny list. <laughs> oh man! All right, so let's see. Let's see what. Let's go through the rest of our cleanup. What else we got on here? What we have. So we have the. The utter lack of uh, masculinity on an altar. We have the Canadian kid getting arrested. Let's do that. Let's do let's do the French church real quick, and then what we'll do is we'll go into the Canadian kid. But play the EWTN tweet because they actually interviewed the kid, and I we didn't we, like we have video of him getting arrested and stuff. But I want to hear what this kid has to say because it's actually pretty good, and it's so really do the, the kid just first? do the do the French just do the do the French priest getting harassed up on the altar. Now, this video I first saw maybe six months ago. Yeah, it's not it new. Is, it is making the rounds again. It's making the rounds again, yeah. Let's see. Let's put that up here. Real quick. Now, the, the most shocking part about that is that not a single person, I mean, you don't know who's at the mass, but not a single person gets up to help the priest. And it's like, where are the Joshua I mean, Alexanders? In the parishes I've ever been to in the U.S., there's always 
usher standing in the back, right? A lot like of times the minute, they're old men. Yeah, but the minute a shirtless person enters the clearly church. from a a different nation enters the church shirtless, that that's the time that like you can put a stop to it then and there. Before he even gets in there, like, sir, what right. are you doing? Do you need a shirt? We'll give you a shirt, and then you keep an eye on the guy. You follow him around, make sure he's not going to go up on the altar into the sanctuary. It's just kind of crazy that things are. Things no, are even I mean, allowed like that. Um, and then the priest and deacon do nothing. Just absolutely nothing. Yeah, because they're all terrified, though. Because they don't know if this guy's going to start screaming a lot of bar. Wow. That's really what's and going on. They're all like, whoa, it, Five whoa. or six years ago that the priest in France got his throat slashed up on the altar. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's kind of wild. So let, let's head over to uh, Joshua Alexander's EWT, EWTN interview because I missed this. This was um, on Friday that they actually got to interview the kid. Now, this is the 16-year-old the Canadian kid who got arrested. Now, he was arrested again on Friday. So, all right, go ahead. Pop this on. Very uh, quickly, I was informed by female students that uh, male students were using the female washrooms. Um, this is all, uh, an issue that came up in the class debate. And... Uh, I uh, use that platform to share my opinions, as every other student had the opportunity to do. And uh, I quoted the scripture. I said that there's only two genders. And uh, apparently, because there was transgender students in those classes, that was considered bullying. And uh, I even I went beyond the classroom. And I took it to the office. And I said, OK, this is an issue. There's female students that are uncomfortable. Something needs to be done. And I was ignored. Um, a female student did the made the same uh, complaint I did, and they ignored her as well. So at that point, I decided to organize a protest outside my school. And two days before the protest, they suspended me indefinitely. And then they permanently banned me from two of my classes. Um, and uh, when I attended those classes, they suspended me again and then excluded me twice. And uh, at, at the end of the semester, on the first day of the new semester, I decided to return to school and try to uh, recover my credits and actually get an education. Um, and, yeah, they arrested me. That is unbelievable. You know, it's important for us to note that we did reach out to the school to get their side. However, they actually declined to comment on this matter. Uh, that said, we know that your lawyer says, and we mentioned that the school is accusing you of bullying transgender students. Um, you know, what do you say to that? Well, my issue was never with the individual student, and I made that very clear with both my on my social media in person and on my uh, media responses. Um, my issue wasn't with the individual student. I have an issue with a system that is going to uh, encourage this this form of misbehavior, and uh, I do sympathize with the confused transgender students because they've been wronged by their parents and by society and by the education system that has pushed this indoctrination on them. But at the same time, that doesn't mean I'm going to condone their wrongful behaviors when it's a violation of my female peers' privacy. Very uh, quick. All right, you can wrap that up. Dude, first off, that kid's 16 years old. Second off, that plantation Barbie did a terrible job of interviewing him. I don't know why they got Plantation Barbie working at EWTN, but that was a terrible interview. <laughs> that kid 
nothing makes me happier than seeing rob lamp <laughs> um so this kid's 16 dude like no joke 16 like how well spoken like I, I i want him on off the rails so bad but i know we'll never get him no. that kid was so handled that perfectly like no i don't have a problem with with the the trans students themselves. I feel bad for them that they were lied to by their parents, that they fell for this indoctrination, this lie. Uh, he was standing up for his female peer students. Like this kid, this kid's a man at 16, standing his ground, and he's Protestant. Where the, he's at a Catholic school. Do you know how enraging this is? This is the most demonic thing ever. Not a single Catholic priest or bishop standing up and saying, This is horrendous. Why are we even allowing this in a Catholic school? What is going on? I mean, it's just, it's how far it's, it comes down to the same reason why though no one at that church stopped that guy. Right. Like no Catholics yeah. don't stand up for the truth anymore. Oddly, those two stories are connected. And yeah, Pat, <laughs> Mac, I actually said that the last time we saw him, because we have a video of him getting arrested, too, and he's wearing that red hat. And it's not a MAGA hat, but it may as well be, because anytime anybody's wearing a red hat now, people just put it with a MAGA hat. But don't, don't play the video where he's talking, just the video of him getting arrested. So this kid, what happens is he got arrested the first time because he stood up for these kids. They... Uh, he went to try to speak at a at a school board meeting, and they that's where they arrested him the first time. The kid goes back to school Friday and tries to get in, and they arrest him for trespassing. So I think we actually have that video clip. Too, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. That kid, man. Yeah, Rick's right. Thin blue line at it again. Yeah, go ahead, guys. Keep yeah. back in the blue. Savage move, 100%. Yo, that kid, I want that kid, man. How do we get that kid? Well, we need to get him a visa over to the U.S. first. I mean, I'll take him on a Zoom call. I'll take him on, I'll take him on StreamYard, bro. <laughs> like, I want him, and I don't want to interview him like everybody else does. I want him to just hang with us on a Off the Rails episode. <laughs> you want him to give... More controversial opinions that could probably we'll, ruin we'll, his life further. We'll try to keep it. We'll try to. All right, look. We'll look. If we get him on, we have to play Cuh. Like we gotta play the Cuh video if we get him on. Like we have uh, to. We gotta play what up, Cuh. I think. <laughs> I, I think what we do is we. Mac. We Mac get, thinks all Canadians know each other. <laughs> well, to be fair, there's like what uh, ten million of them or something like that. I hate that people are leaving Catholicism for Islam, but I understand why. It's based off the notion that the church is weak. Leadership in the church is putting so many souls at risk. It's ridiculous. Did you hear about the well-known Eastern Catholic priest that just apostatized for Islam? I heard I heard, I heard, heard something about that. What was that? Father Hilarion something. I, 
I, I don't I don't remember the last name. Um, I think Adrian in our chat mentioned it, but yeah, apparently uh, he actually uh, probably apostatized like a while ago and has, and just didn't tell anyone and continued to serve mass as a Catholic priest. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Think about like how. <sighs> Like you see a lot of the journey home episodes where the Protestants actually get to a point where they're like, all right, I can't continue to be a preacher. I can't preach at this Protestant service anymore because I'm being dishonest at this point. But like to actually believe in Islam and still be trying to consecrate the Eucharist, like, come on, that's so. That's the, that's a tenant of Islam that they, they are allowed to lie. Allowed to lie. Under a circumstance like that to try to corrupt people. Yeah. People out. Yeah. yeah. So would 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 you be allowed to get a spray tan and <laughs> change your last name to sound Latina under the rules of Islam? <laughs> I think Father Hilarion left the monastery and the priesthood before becoming a Muslim. Oh, I, I don't know. I think all you have to do to become Muslim is say a few words. Uh yeah, I, I, don't, I don't at know. least he's not saying the TLM nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. According to our hierarchy, he's probably closer to heaven than us. According to them, they would have left him in. They would they, like if, if like if uh, in Francis's eyes, he could have stayed Muslim and a priest. Th- think of it: he that that priest who's now Muslim can have us a service at the uh, what Abrahamic, yeah, the Abraham or whatever. But you'll never, well, you'll never see a TLM there because no actual priest would ever dream of holding a mass at such a site yeah well the uh the thing is speaking of the tlm um <laughs> paul says ayatollah rodriguez with that <laughs> so my uh our priest on sunday uh in his homily he he didn't sound too hopeful and it sounded a little bit ominous and don texted me after mass and he said yeah he basically the whole homily was about we really need to offer our uh, Lenten sacrifices for the continuation of the traditional mass in our diocese. Now, is your um, your diocesan TLM is that at an actual parish? Church? Yeah, both of them are. So and I'm I okay. Imagine, they want to move us to a basement. That's fine. Like move us to a basement as long as we can yeah. keep it. You know, move us to a, a school gymnasium. I don't care as and long as they let us keep. The, know, I'll I'll go have, basement hopping. Have Have you? gotten a dispensation through the Vatican or no, we haven't gotten any our, our, our bishop was just ignoring it he, which is not so he good. might be forced now to now he's gonna have to submit and ask for a dispensation and wait to see what Rome says so we're gonna hope that we get it but if we don't we'll probably get moved to some kind of basement chapel or something like that that's if we even get that now if we don't get that um I'm gonna say something uh I'm gonna say something that Somebody says, uh, I'm going to say this. My priest is going to have to give me a good reason to not go to St. Michael's, which is an SSPX job. I don't see why. I don't, I can't see a reason why you shouldn't. Couldn't. I'm going to, I mean, I, he's going to have to explain to me why I, why should I, why, I mean, if he's going to make it a Novus Ordo unicorn, fine, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. Right, we'll see. I just, I wonder, like, if there's one thing your average 
you know, little toady in a red hat hates more than the TLM. It's probably doing work. Does Roach not know how much work he's just created for himself? Like every every TLM that so far hasn't requested a dispensation is now going to do so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I think that it, to him it's just about power. He wants the ability to, like these guys just want power, dude. Like they just want power. 100%. Yeah. They just want power. Um, and uh, what's his name? Trevor posted a, a, a really good thread before, but we've been hearing this for years. It was a, it was a, somebody was saying, I just spoke to a priest. He's a young priest. He was telling me what's going on in seminaries and all the younger seminarians, they all love the traditional mass and all the younger priests, they all love that. A lot of the bishops love the traditional mass. And it's really just under this pontificate that we're dealing with all this stuff. And it's like the next pontificate might be worse. And we've been hearing this line, oh, it's only a few more years and we'll get all these boomers out of here, but they're still around. And I, I do but think this is their really one will last... only be a few more years. <clears throat> 10 to 15 years until that generation's it's just totally gone. gone. Yeah. But dude, you're looking at guys like Supich are up in the wings coming up, and and, and the way they really the, they structured it over these past two decades is if you are uh open to the rainbow cult you're going to get elevated. And and that's the thing. When you just keep elevating those guys to the positions of power, it doesn't matter what the younger priests want. It matters what the guys in the hierarchy want. And the guy, look at what Francis is doing, McElroy and all. I mean, you just look at who gets elevated and it's like, they're just, they're doing yeah, this for a reason. Like right now you have, I would say you still have a majority of bishops in the world who, who, who did, more or less nothing with with TC, right? Like yeah. So what does had, that mean? You had these your, are you had these are guys. Yeah. These are guys who are like I'm just going to say nothing. Not one of them have a backbone, right. right? But at the same time, it was some form of I'm not going to say disobedience or resistance, but it, it was non-compliance, right? Now, ten years from now, you're how many? All, all those bishops who did go through, did go along with, for the most part, are going to be dead and gone. And you're going to have a lot. You're going to have all those younger priests who who do like tradition in the ranks, in in the actual hierarchy, right? Because if if demographics, if you're saying fifty percent of seminarians now are are tradition friendly, and I don't know a single priest under forty five in our diocese that isn't tradition friendly at the very least, if not traditional, you know, in a true sense, they're not going to be able to, what are they going to do? Only, you know, pick the few bishops in the world or the few priests are are the gay, the gay liberal ones and elevate them because they're, they're not even doing that now. Like our new, our Bishop who was just made a Bishop last year. I don't know him personally, but he came out and, you know, he came out and, Went to yeah, so the dispensation, TLM, and... got the dispensation, and and put the TLM priest. As, now was as, he as was he a bishop who was just moved to your diocese, or he was actually incarnated as a bishop? He was he was consecrated a new bishop. He was a priest in Green Bay, and then um, wow, they really they must have let bishop. that one slip through without noticing, huh? <laughs> well, the, the one they had before, like the he was. So our bishop died. I want to say, I, I think it was 2020. Maybe it was earlier than that. It was right before uh, right before the COVID. So then 
it took them probably nine months to come up with the candidate. They gave us a candidate. Turns out there was uh, legitimate sexual abuse allegations against that candidate. <laughs> so then it took them another six months to come up with the second candidate, who is now our bishop. So, yeah, guys, honestly, if you don't have somebody specific conversion in mind to fast for this Lent, like how many of us have actually fasted for? for traditional priests. How, how, many, how often do we observe the Ember Days? I really do try to observe the Ember Days. Like the, These are days four times a year that the church asks us to actually fast for holy priests. And like we all claim to be traditional Catholic, but being traditional Catholic is about a lot more than going to the traditional Latin Mass. It's like, are we living that life of fast, fast, fast feast? And I'm, I'm not great at it. So don't look to me as your... Uh, as your signpost to follow, but I really want to be, I really do. I want to be, I mean, it's things were much more stable in life when people lived according to that pattern. So yeah, it was a good show, Rob. Steve's in the chat. I see him. I see him. It was a good show. Do we miss anything? We got everything right. Um, Except for uh, the fart one. We're not going to go over that. Oh, thank you. When I saw saw that come across, I'm like, no. I I just put this through as a goof. There was an article that said, I can't pole dance because toxic farts keep coming out and they smell like gas leaks. I did. I I uploaded that on here. I know you did. Oh, there was that uh, that article I sent you from from our town about that former employee. So, yeah, tell me the story on that. What was that? All right, so pop that up. Let's go through that. So, so this is a guy who worked at your first company. I'm going to ask your opinion. I didn't censor any names, but it is it's a public news clipping, right? So yeah, no, you could say that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I don't know if anyone can read this, but basically, um, a local man faces charges that he sexually assaulted a 15 year old girl, physically assaulted her when she was pregnant, and later threatened that she would never see her child. Uh, these are among the allegations that they have leveled against this man. You can read his name there. I'm not going to say it. Um, he's charged with third degree sexual assault. He's so he's 35, and she's 15. Um, he's charged with third degree sexual assault. Um, let's see. This all stems from a paternity test. So they got him with a 99.99 percent chance that he's the father of this girl's child. Um, but yeah, so the story is we had the company I work for had hired him. How long ago? Like recently? A, a year ago. Uh just for a part-time position. Um really good resume. His interview was a really good interview. Like uh, never like this uh, never would have guessed, right? Yeah. But he he quit after about a month or two due to uh, I I can't really. I due to personal things. Yeah, he, he, but uh, turns he out he had a fifteen-year-old girl pregnant. Yeah. Ooh, these people. Sin darkens the intellect, folks. <laughs> it's crazy. That's. A, I mean, we, look, just, we went. We went through that gun story with the guy I worked with. Yeah, it's amazing how duplicitous people can be in their daily lives, right? Like, yeah. How now, the guy like. The guy you know, like, I, 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 you as a good guy, right? He's a good guy, but he got greedy and he wanted money 
and he did something so blatantly easy to get caught in New York for. I mean, you think about it. This guy was literally getting, getting parts shipped to his Pennsylvania residence and on the internet, like they're not watching every single thing you're doing, then texting everything. You know, the government's watching every single thing you're doing. I don't understand how dumb you have to be to think you're not going to get caught doing that. The, the thing is, I would argue what he did is not inherently evil, though. No, it's not. But it's like, still... Is, is breaking the law immoral? Yes. Well, no. But if you have a wife and children, it is inherently evil to put your well, family's a, well-being at risk. Prudent. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, that action, I don't think requires, like... Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it, with it this guy... It requires idiocy and imprudence. Whereas this, I mean, this... Yeah, man, there's a lot of people you. get uh get hung from trees these days. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, and then there was uh there was um we saw earlier uh, Jason knew someone that uh, we won't say any names or anything, but the so the a woman had a podcast down in Texas, and a young a young kid called the podcast and admitted to her that he was being abused by the father. And the woman got a cop on the phone and they worked it out and they went and they arrested the father. He was, he was a single man who adopted nine boys and he was molesting all nine of them. And Jason happened to know who they were because they, the kids wrestled together or something. And it, it's, it's like, why are they letting a single man adopt children first off? But most likely because uh, they were, can we say that Orthodox Amish? Uh, because he checks certain boxes. He was Orthodox yeah. Amish, curly, curly fry Amish. <laughs> We're laughing about it, but it's an awful story. Yeah, death penalty for sure. Like awful, awful. And the kid was saying, like, I was going to wait until I was eighteen to, to do something about it, and and they talked him into doing yeah. something on the show. Did you? I, I from the article I read, I couldn't tell like what kind of. I suppose I could have just Googled the podcast. I couldn't tell what the podcast was about. Like, yeah, me neither. Was it about crime? Like, it seemed like this guy, this kid, just called up a random po- podcast. He was in the chat at first, and she, chat, right. he was in the chat and she, and asking questions like, "Hey, what what should I do if there's uh, a life or death situation or something like that, or abuse situation?" And she talked him into calling, but it yeah, was uh, this, this lady is like. She got him on the phone, got a ton of information, and then spent like three days nonstop using that little bit of information, which included no names, no addresses, to actually find out who this kid was, got the police involved. I mean, like, whoever that lady is. Props so, on her, man. Now, real quick. The, all right. So, Clayton, what I would say is before modern society, um, I still think it's disgusting if the guy's in his thirties or something, but you know, if you, if you had an 18 year old son and you wanted to marry him off as long, you know, really like physiologically, once a woman's capable of bearing children. Right. But this is way before the times we're in now. It's not acceptable. Now we've all agreed on that as a, as a, you know, as a society, I do think that, uh, I think 18 is probably a fair age, especially like what I was talking about earlier with my son. Like, I really do think you're still a kid at that age, man. I I think what it is, is we've, the church has always said like consent needs to be like freely and truly given right for marriage to be valid. And I think we have just in more recent years 
learned so much more about uh, human the brain, you know, yeah, yeah. psychology and um, neurology, where we now know, like, even men, like, and I can tell you this is 100% true from personal experience. We don't have fully developed brains until we're 25. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, yes. kind of, that's just a fact. Yeah, Clayton, I wouldn't say it was a mortal sin because, I mean, we've come up with the, the number 18, but uh, even in some states, it's 16, right? Age of consent is 16 in some states in, well, America, in America. Notice how he was he was charged, this this guy, which charged 15. third degree sexual assault, but he wasn't a charge with statutory rape. Yeah. So Minnesota's consent laws are a little, there's enough of a gray area there where they can't charge him with that. Yeah. I think like, um, I mean, anything I say is going to sound terrible, but like once, once, a, you know, I would imagine back in, in the ancient world or even in the middle ages, they would look at it like once a woman, once a girl becomes a woman and is capable of bearing children, that's God's way of telling you she's now capable of bearing children. Right now, I wouldn't say that like immediately she should be bearing children, but it's God's way of indicating, Hey, this person has reached a level of maturity that they're, you know, but it's, I, I think there's, I don't want my daughters doing that at that age. You know, I mean, that's all I could say. Not only do we now know that brains are still developing. So can someone like really give consent? I think there's also a good chance that for a few different reasons that that age of where, a person really can give true consent probably has increased because a we're just much more childish as a society and culture now. Right. And, and possibly through actual biological things like genetic entropy, where, where our, our genes are breaking down. So it's possible someone was more, much more mature um, physically, emotionally. Well, there's, there's an aspect of what you age. There's an aspect of what you're saying where even modern day teenagers are less mature than kids. So like Paul's saying his grandparents, his, his grandfather was 22, his grandmother was 16. Yeah. Now, if you're going back 75 years, I do think women were more mature at 16 and men were more mature. Like, I think that we've coddled our children so much in this modern era that like they're they're little kids. though. like they're, yeah. they're, the, the invention of the teenager was in the early 20th century. Like before that, you didn't have the teenager. It was like you went from boy to man. Like you had a coming of age ceremony and you became a man. You were out working with your father. You were going, bringing in, you know, household financials to help the family out. Like we've really coddled our modern children to be children. I mean, dude, how many people do you know live at home with their parents until they're 30 now? It's absurd. It's crazy. Which for a, a married woman, I think is fine for the proper. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want my daughter out living with some guy. Um, Enoch says being a director of high school ministry, how an older man finds a teenage gal intellectually, physically attractive. Yeah, dude. And dude, as a, as a father of a 15 year old girl, like I could never look at, uh, I could never look at a, a girl under 21 without feeling like a creep. Like it's just something unnerving about it to me now. Like my daughter's 15 years old. Like, I didn't want and like there's men looking at my daughter now and I'm like, I want to kill everybody. Like I'm ready to start punching people. I, I think it partly goes back to what we said um earlier in the episode about how the whole idea of what love is has changed. Like, you know, 100, 200 years ago, an older man marrying a younger woman, it it was 
for marriage. It was, you know, to, to, to create a family and to, it was a book, you know, it was there. Yeah, it wasn't some one night stand. It wasn't, it wasn't for lust. Like, yeah, clearly was in this case. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky topic and you're going to get people saying, but you know, the number 18 is pretty arbitrary because it's just something we've agreed on modern in modern society. But you know, I'm kind of okay with that number. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all right with that yeah. number, especially being the father of daughters. <laughs> I'm all right with it. But this is a fun one, bud. Agreed. Um, what do we got coming up? What are we doing Thursday? Another one of these? I like these. Just me and you. I mean, maybe if it, I do want to get the news from the pew crew on, I want to do yeah. a, avoiding the news from the pews of Babylon. That is what I want to do. I'm trying to figure out when these guys have a have a night, but how fun would that be if we could do it Thursday? I'll, I'll talk to them. I'll reach out to them. You know, do a, you know, it would be fun to do sometime with with those guys, especially Steve. Would be to do like some just crazy episode where we kind of like, I don't know, make on, a game like a national divorce game. Like we it would have to be on Rumble or something with Steve. Like to really let Steve go <laughs> off, you have to do it off of YouTube. Like I really, Steve will give you the rundown on how bonkers the you know new world order is but you can't do it here because they'll never let us we could do it on telegram maybe we should pre-record it and we'll pop it up on spirit to tv maybe we'll do that all right let me reach out to those guys we'll figure out so guys check it us out on thursday we will be back for another off the rails starting tomorrow if i get the recording done right tonight i will school of jesus crucified I will have this here. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's broken down into 31 daily readings. It's meant to be done over a month with Lent being 46 days long, including Sunday. I have no idea how I'm going to do it. So I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. It's actually kind of good that you have, if you miss a day, like, you know what I mean? You have 15 free days where like you can miss a day and it's like, all right, I'm still putting them out there. So like I I could not do Sundays and have 40 days. And like I can do, there's a couple introductory things I can do separate. There's three days, like in an afterward, where you concentrate on the sorrows of Mary instead of on, you know, Christ's passion itself. So like, there's probably enough material to stretch it. But you're right, they'll they'll be enough to where if I don't do Sundays or miss a day, it's no big deal. Yeah. Also, guys, if you guys don't have Spiritus TV yet, did they get the app yet? Did they figure the app out? I. Haven't heard anything about an app. I'm going to talk to Daniel. I'm going to talk to Daniel. I'm going to find out what's going on with Spiritus TV because I want them to get live streaming going. And I want that. Like, I would love to just move this whole audience over there. And then you can literally just say whatever you want. But yeah, if you guys don't don't have an account at Spiritus TV, go get an account at Spiritus TV. We're like number 13 (laughs) out of everybody that puts their stuff up (laughs) over there. So the algorithm likes us better over there than YouTube does. That's for sure. Um, this was very fun, Rob. I love doing these with you. Same. All right. If you guys have any suggestions for next episode, shoot me a DM or something. We'll get our... Uh... Oh, put the, put the voicemail up. Come on, guys. Leave uh, us a voicemail. Where is it? Hold on. Anybody leave any? Let me find it real quick. I haven't checked. I keep forgetting. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm so gonna long. have to set up. You know what? Don't even do it. I'm gonna set the voicemail up, and I'm gonna be in charge of voicemails. I'll take care of this. You're terrible at this. I well, want to be. I can just. This. Okay, fine. 
I want to be in charge of this. I'm going to set up a voicemail, guys. Stand by. Next episode, I'll have a voicemail number. Oh, I'm going to hold on. Charge. Let's be honest with everyone. You're going to have me set up a voicemail. <laughs> I'm going to just up, give me access to yours. Just give me access to yours so I can listen to them, and I'll tell you which ones are funny and we should play. It's I can I'll just because that one's under. I'll create one under our. Yeah, create create an avoiding Babylon phone number, and we'll both have access to it, and we'll do it like that. I just got Rob to do my work. Off the rails. (laughs) All right, guys. (laughs) Thank you for hanging. We love hanging with you guys. You guys are awesome. (laughs) Have a good night, everyone. I see you, enemy. I see you, enemy. 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 You are.